On this lovely Mother's Day, I recognize that some of you have just come from brunches earlier and you're sitting here and you're already full. I also recognize that some of you have pending Mother's Day reservations, and if you waited until last night to get them, enjoy McDonald's uh, today. I would like to share with you just for a few minutes this morning on Mother's Day about femininity with valor. Femininity with valor. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and, and Joyce Meyer was speaking. Many of you may know who she is, and she was reading something from a book that I, by the time she was done, I was in stitches laughing, and I thought, it is, it is so real that I'm just going to read this to you today. Let me just read it to you. Mom and Dad were watching TV when Mom said, I'm tired. It's getting late. I think I will go to bed. She got up and went into the kitchen and made sandwiches for the next day's lunches, rinsed out the dessert bowl, took meat out of the freezer for supper the following evening, checked the cereal level, filled the sugar container, put spoons in the bowls, put bowls on the tables, started the coffee pot so that it would go off early the next morning, put some wet towels in the dryer, put a load of clothes in the washer, ironed a shirt, sewed on several loose buttons, picked up the games that were left on the table, and then put some books back on the shelf. She then watered the plants, emptied the wastebasket, hung, hung up the towels to dry, then she yawned and stretched and headed for the bedroom. She stopped on the way to the bedroom by the desk wrote a note to the teacher, counted out some cash for those of us that still use real money for the school outing, pulled out the textbook that was under the chair, signed a birthday card for a friend, addressed and stamped the envelope, wrote a quick list for the supermarket the next day. Then she went and put all those things in her purse. Mom then cleaned her face, put on moisturizer, brushed and flossed her teeth, trimmed her nails, and her husband called out, I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she said. She put some water in the dog's bowl, put the cat outside, made sure the doors were locked, looked in on each one of the children, turned on the bedside lamp, hung some new shirts up, threw some dirty socks in the laundry basket, had a brief conversation with the one child that was still up doing homework in her own room. Then she got there and she set the alarm, laid out her clothes for the next day, straightened the shoe rack, added three things to her to-do list for the next day. About that time... Her husband turned off the TV and announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed. And he did. <laughs> Let me tell you something, women. <laughs> women, you rock. You take care of all of those tiny little details that not very many people give you credit for. In fact, I don't want any woman here today wondering whether or not you are a good mother, wondering whether or not that you are a good lady, wondering if you're a good wife, because I'm telling you today, it's time for you to start celebrating who you are. It's time to start celebrating the things you do, and for the rest of us that are around you to try to start elevating you in ways that uh, you can tangibly feel and hear, because you are absolutely amazing. And I think it would be appropriate for all of us to give all of the ladies in the house a round of applause this morning. <laughs> On the opportunities that I've had to go to so many of your homes, one of the things that I've always enjoyed is looking to see what is on the Hall of Fame in your house. And that means what kids' pictures are on the refrigerator. 
with the little magnets. And, and I recognize that some of you have very small children that put their hands in paint and, and put them on different things, hopefully not your walls, but it made it to the things that we're supposed to. You've got little diagrams that look like dogs, but they could be dinosaurs, and they're, they're stuck to your refrigerator, and every mother comes and she stands there in front of that, and there's this, this big grin that takes place as you walk by your art hall of fame as you see the refrigerator. And for all of that, we are so grateful that there are people in our life that keep all of those things that matter so much to you. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn to a passage of Scripture that's found in Proverbs 31, and I want to look at this particular passage maybe a little bit differently than it has been looked at before, because I want to talk to you about what it means, ladies, to live a life of valor, a life of valor. If you have electronic Bibles, you can look at that. If you have your real books, you can look at that, and I believe that we'll probably post it as well online. But I'm beginning reading with verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grabs the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed and is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Lord, as we ponder your word today, I pray that you would allow us to have a thorough and deep and correct interpretation of what you're trying to say today. I pray that we would honor these women of valor, that we would celebrate them, be thankful for all of the different ways that our lives are touched as a result of them, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We recognize that there are different ways that different women can affect different lives. In Proverbs chapter 4, it points this out. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is as rottenness to his bones. In other words, there's nothing better than an excellent wife, nothing worse than the opposite. In fact, one of the things that I often tell 
couples when they come in for counseling before they get married is I often tell the young ladies, you need to know that for the most part, you are the one that is going to set the personality for your household. When people come into your home, your personality will be the one that will either be welcoming or it can be a repellent. You have tremendous influence in the life of your husband and your families. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25, there's a statement about Ahab, a wicked king. In fact, he probably was as wicked a king as there was in the annals of history of Israel. But it says of him, there was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then there's this wonderful line that said, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. Don't tell me, ladies, that you don't have influence one way or the other. When we read Proverbs 31 today, we went through a list of things that tend to lead women to believe that they have to be superhuman in order to accomplish everything. In fact, I've had women tell me that they hate that passage of Scripture because it seems to set an impossible standard by which the shortcomings of every woman seems to be highlighted. In fact, some of them say, that passage that you read today, Pastor, for me, it comes with baggage. And I believe that that's why too often we focus on the woman's role in Proverbs 31 as a way of reducing femininity, as a way of reducing womanhood to marriage and to motherhood and to domesticity. When really... This passage in its correct interpretation is about character that transcends the circumstances of life. There are three things that I would like to share with you that you may not know about Proverbs 31. There's a lot of confusion about that, but when we look at it in the historical context in which it's written, the audience to which it was written, and the language to which, in which it was written, it will give us a better understanding of what we are to draw from that today. The first thing that I would like you to note is that Proverbs 31 is a poem. It's a poem. Our confusion around this particular chapter is most often around the misinterpretation of the passage because it centers around a specific time and a specific place where a woman was speaking to her son. In fact, if you look at the very first verse of Proverbs 31, it says this, the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle or a speech, his mother taught him. His mother taught him. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this king, except that he had a great Jewish mother. And along with whatever chicken soup that she would make for him or whatever favorite dish that he liked, she wanted to make sure that she left him with some really, really good advice. Apparently, he was going to be king, or he was king, and he was very young. And his mother recognized that there would come a time in her life when she would have to step aside and another woman would step into the role of being the primary influencer in her son's life. And so when he was young, she began to build into him an understanding of what he needed to look for in a wife that would be helpful to him. By the way, men, if your mom wants to tell you something about what you should be looking for in a wife, you should probably listen to her. And all the mothers say, amen, because she's got your best interest at heart. And so in this poem that is written, 
She tells him, you're going to need to look for certain qualities as you look for a wife. Understanding, as she did, that if he chose a bad one, his life would be filled with boisterousness and quarrels, and he could easily marry somebody who was self-centered and wicked, such as Jezebel. But she wanted him to find an excellent wife. And so what we have here is a 22-line poem found in the last chapter of Proverbs of the woman of noble character, and it's meant to be a tangible expression of the book's celebrated virtues of femininity. The author is essentially telling all of us, particularly women, this is what wisdom and valor look like in action. And so the reader will immediately make the connection that this whole book is about wisdom and women's wisdom and, and the Proverbs, the wisdom of life, understanding that we come to this and in this particular part of Jewish history that there's something important taking place. Obviously, this is inspired by God, but God inspired it in a way that's not easily visible to us that do not know the Hebrew language, and I'll tell you why. In the 22 verses between verse 10 and 31, there are 22 characters in the Hebrew alphabet. Each one of these verses starts with a corresponding letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so it starts at the beginning, goes all the way through. And the reason that this poem was written this way is because it was intended as an easy way for young boys and men to memorize it. It became an acrostic, which created a formula so that it could be recalled. And the features that Jewish young men could be taught by their mothers to learn this. Thereby, it became a criteria for mothers to teach their sons about what valor and character looks like in the life of women. The poet praises everyday achievements in an upper middle-class Jewish life, a woman who kept her household functioning day and night, by buying and trading and investing and planting and sowing and spindling and managing servants and extending charity, providing food for the family, preparing for each season. And like any good poem, the purpose of this one is to draw attention to the overlooked glory of what women do every day. Now, I recognize today, ladies, many of you probably have received a card. Some of you probably have received some gifts. Some of you are going to get to enjoy a meal at the restaurant of your choice. Each of these are opportunities for those in your life to express to you the fact that everything you do every day does not go unnoticed. You see, you don't have to live up to everything that is written there to be a woman of valor. The second thing that you need to know about this chapter is the audience is men. The audience of this chapter is men. Rachel Held Evans, who authored the book A Year in Biblical Womanhood, speaks of a Jewish friend that she has named Ahava. And she said, Ahava, when we looked at this together, taught me something about her culture. She stated this. Ahava said, it's not the women who memorize Proverbs 31 in our culture. It's the men. They memorize it because they sing it to us as a song to praise the women in their lives, their wives and their daughters, their sisters and their mothers and their friends. And so Ahava said, 
My husband sings Proverbs 30 to me, 31 to me, at every Sabbath meal. Now, for those of you husbands today wondering, what should I get for my wife? May I make a suggestion? <laughs> Write her a song and then sing it to her. And please put it on Facebook. Please put it on Facebook. How many women would enjoy that? Some of you are going, ah, have you heard my husband sing? Maybe, husbands, you might just want to write a poem. Because interesting enough, many Christians interpret this passage as prescriptive to what a good woman should do and what a good woman should look like. It's a command to women, many people think, rather than an ode to women. And I want you to know that it is different in the way that we have interpreted it often. In fact, interesting enough, there's been an empire of books and conferences and products that the media has drawn and interpreted as, a, as it relates to this particular passage that has a subtle repositioning of this from the poem that it was intended to to that of being declarative to the way that women should live. One of the most popular books is titled Becoming the Woman That God Wants Me to Be, A 90-Day Guide to Living the Proverbs 31 Life. Let me tell you something. Many times this is no longer presented as a song that a man sings to a woman, but many men have taken this passage and held it up to the women in their life and said, this is a task by which you must live up to if you desire me to respect you. And that would be an entirely incorrect way of interpreting this passage of Scripture. The third thing that you need to know about this is Proverbs 31 celebrates valor and femininity. The first line of the poem says, a wife of noble character who can find. There's other translations that state it this way, a virtuous woman who can find. But do you know that this can be accurately interpreted this way? A woman of valor who can find. In fact, there's a Hebrew word that is found not only here but in other places in the Bible that is pronounced ashut keel, ashut keel. Woman of valor. The male equivalent to that would be Gabir Kiel, which is man of valor. And to make this fact even more fun, Jewish women would often use this term to cheer one another on. Eshet Kiel, they would yell to one another, regardless of what they were doing. It's almost as if it would be interpreted today as, you go, girlfriend. <laughs> that would be the... English equivalent of what was being declared within this. You see, valor isn't about what you do. Valor is about how you do what you do. If you're a stay-at-home mom, then you stay at home with valor. If you're a nurse, be a nurse of valor. If you're a CEO, a pastor, a barista at Starbucks, whether you are rich or poor, single or married, do it all with valor. That is what makes you a Proverbs 31 woman, not creating a life that you can put on a Pinterest board. In fact, there was a blog writer. Her name was Lauren. She didn't state her last name. And this is what she wrote. For most of my adult life, if I had woken up one morning to read Proverbs 31 woman, 
that she had met an untimely death on her spindle, I would have barely grieved. Because for a long term, the Proverbs 31 woman was my mental nemesis. Scripture tells us that she cooks splendid exotic meals. She sews ornate clothing for her family from thread and fabric that she herself had spun. She runs a substantial textile business. And from the profits, she buys her own land, which the, then she then gardens. She helps the poor. She is constantly productive. And even though she barely sleeps from her mouth, nothing ever comes out but wisdom and kindness. And I hate her for that. Both her and her husband and her children lavish praise on her. While she has brought her family tremendous blessing, the Proverbs 31 woman has brought significant amount of consternation to my soul. She wrote, when I was single, and I was single well into my 30s, I would stack myself against her as if she were the measuring stick, and I found myself lacking. I wasn't married, so there was no husband's heart to trust in me. I didn't have children, so I had no one to clothe in handmade scarlet garments. There was no one to rise up and call me blessed. So nearly every Mother's Day, when our pastor would base his sermon on Proverbs 31, I left the church feeling like I'd been in a fight for my femininity and I'd lost. I'd longed to be a wife and a mother so deeply, specifically a Proverbs 31 wife and mother, that I stopped going to church on Mother's Day. Now that I'm married, I find that I still evaluate myself against her, except now she's become my wifely competition. I sew... I garden, I cook food from afar, if tacos count, <laughs> even though having a husband and a child puts me into many of the same categories as the Proverbs 31 woman, her achievements still echo in my heart, implying that perhaps I'm still not good enough and I will never be good enough. After all, her record has stood for thousands of years. Although she was never a real person, she still has the power to haunt me. So for all of you women and all of you mothers who have had this Scripture used to demean you, used to tell you that you're not enough, used by men or kids that did not understand the context of this, I want you to turn your thinking today because this passage is to celebrate you and all of the daily acts of faithfulness that you exhibit. And we who sit around you tell you today we could not do it without you. I believe this, with an understanding of its intent, is a better way to reflect on the Scripture of Proverbs 31 that honors femininity and valor. The poetic figure that's found here is not the only woman in the Bible to receive this high praise of Shet Kiel or woman of valor. It doesn't come just because she was rich and great at what she does. In fact, there's another woman that's mentioned in the Bible that had this same praise, and her name was Ruth. Ruth was a destitute foreigner whose daily work involved gathering and threshing and winnowing wheat. For most of her story, she was neither a wife nor a mother. Circumstantially, her life looked nothing like the life of the Proverbs 31 woman. Ruth didn't spend her days making clothes for her husband. She had no husband. She was widowed. 
Ruth's children did not rise up and call her blessed because she had no children. Ruth didn't spend her days exchanging fine linens with the merchants, trying to keep an immaculate home. She worked all day on her hands and knees in the dirt of the field, trying to pick up what little pieces of grain that she could find and glean from other people's fields. And it was the provision that was given to the poorest of the poor in Israel. And yet, though her circumstances were different, Guess what Boaz says of Ruth before he marries her, before she has his child, before she becomes wealthy, before she has any influence. It's found in Ruth 3.11. All of my fellow townsmen know, everybody that's around you know, they see you and know that you are a woman of noble character. Ishet Kiel, you are a woman of valor. She is identified as a woman of valor, though most of her life she would not be able to celebrate Mother's Day as we do. She identifies as a woman of valor not because she could check off that she'd been married or kept a perfect home or had produced children or that everything went well in her life or that her incredibly talented children made her proud, but in spite of very difficult circumstances, she maintained a life of valor in controlling only what she could do but she lived a life of valor. So when you're looking at scriptures today and you're looking for women that are examples of strong, mighty character, women of valor, I want you to recognize that we do not hold them up to to Proverbs 31 to show them how far they have to go, but we look at that as men and recognize this is what we sing to our wives for everything that they do on behalf of our life. Let me just mention to you other ladies in the Bible that had this same cheer given to them. In the exact words, there were Sarah and Deborah and Esther and Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany and Mary of Nazareth and Martha and Junia and Priscilla and Phoebe and Tabitha also. Each of these women, different circumstances of life, yet it was proclaimed of them that they were Shetkiel, women of valor. And so today I want you women to know we celebrate you for the character in which you display yourself every day. Scott, if you'd please come. I'm going to ask all of you please to stand with me. The Proverbs 31 woman describes her character, her devotion, her generosity, her influence, and the excellence in which she pursues the spiritual heart of God. And the way that I would like to close this this morning is I would like every mother, if you please, would step out of your seat and come and just line up along the front. Every mother. We're going to start with the mothers first. Let me also include in this group, maybe you don't have a child to hold today because your child was lost while you were still pregnant and you've been battling that, I want you to come because you are a mother. You're going to have to make room. I promise I won't spit anymore. I'm done preaching. So you can, you can move on up. We have to spread out a little bit here. Wow. You look awesome today. Proud of you. 
And now I would like to invite every 13-year-old girl and older to come and stand behind these mothers because we celebrate the courage of your femininity today. Welcome home, college students. <laughs> While I have you here, you bring such joy to the personality of this church. I look and see the strength in your eyes, even though represented at this altar this morning are women of every different background, heritage, but God has created you with unique talents and abilities. Our church is stronger because of you. In fact, there's a compassion that is here because of you. In fact, when people come here and they're guests here and after our service or two, they said, this just feels like home. It's because of you. Because, ladies, you set the personality of this congregation by your nature and your love, the way that you reach out. And for those of you who are teenagers and our young adults that are here today, don't you ever let the world tell you you're not enough. Don't you ever... Let the world take advantage of you because God has created in you everything that you need to glorify Him and be a woman of valor. So we celebrate you today. In a day and age in which gender and femininity in particular is under attack, we honor you. We honor you. So men, if you'd stretch out your hands, I'm going to pray for these ladies today. Father, we ask your blessing. As we look around this room, we recognize that there's so many details of our life that we don't even think about. If it wasn't for the women in our life, if it wasn't for our mothers and our wives, if it wasn't for our sisters, our daughters, that we would, we would miss out on one whole half of the expression of your nature because you created a male and female because it took two genders to describe everything that you are. In fact, so much of the Holy Spirit's personality seems to be in the feminine sense, the care, the compassion, all of that that we need as we look at you. And so, Father, we're grateful for the women within our lives, and we pray your blessing upon them today. May they not compare themselves in a negative way to a Proverbs 31 woman that can stay up all night and still have nothing but wonderful things to say to everybody. But, Lord, may we also recognize that this was a poem written by a mother for her son saying, let me tell you that character matters. And in our world today, may we recognize that character matters. Women of valor matter. In a world that seems so shallow, may we look for the depth in one another. And then, Lord, here's what I pray. I pray that in a world where women attack women so many times, where they have such difficulty finding friendships and relationships that this church would produce women that would say you go girlfriend I'm standing with you I'm here to support you I'm cheering you on and together we will walk with valor before the Lord that has created us in unity we pray for this and we ask this in Jesus name and everyone said amen, amen.